We're reading from John chapter 6, and we're reading from verses 24 to 35. So John chapter 6. Once the crowd had realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful. Just so uh, you're aware um, that uh, for the summer season, we're following our, the Church of England lectionary uh, readings, and this was the reading for this week, just if you're not sure why we got to where we got to. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that by the work of your Spirit in this place that you would be showing us Jesus, that we may glorify him here in our words and in our actions and in our lives as we go out. In his wonderful name. Amen. What are you looking for? Why are you here? Whether that's here in church or watching online from wherever you are, what answer would you give to these questions? The world has uh, multiple possible reasons for us being here. Perhaps it's tradition. We were brought up doing this and so continue out of habit. Or trying to earn points to get into heaven, God bothering to make sure he doesn't forget us. Famously, Marx described this as offering hope or solace to mask the reality of oppression, particularly for him, in class struggles, religion as the opium of the people. Many outside aren't really interested in what we get up to as long as we keep it private. Feel free to have a bit of religion as long as you keep it to yourself. The implication being that, well, what we do here doesn't matter at all. Ironically, not keeping their own religion 
in the private sphere. The question, what are you looking for, underlies Jesus' response to the crowd that we see in verse 26, as he provides the response to the question himself. The discussion that we read here follows events where Jesus has fed the crowd miraculously, starting with five loaves and two fishes, nicking some young lad's packed lunch, if you remember. And he fed a massive crowd of over 5,000. This is the now the day after that event. And the crowd has woken up to find that Jesus has gone in the night. So they search for him and find him in Capernaum. And Jesus says here, well, actually, the reason you're searching for me is because you were fed and had your full. Indeed, at the end of the description of the miracle just before, John records that the people wanted to make him king by force. What better than a king who can bring food out of thin air? They were interested in Jesus because he had met their earthly, momentary needs. And they wanted more of that. So perhaps that's another reason we can add to our list that we're here because we want God to make our lives better. We're not so much interested in God himself, but what he can provide. We want God to fix the problems in our lives. Later, we see in that uh, narrative, they ask for a miracle, where they also along for the show, wanting to see more and more miraculous things, perhaps without interest in the one who's doing the miracles, the God of the miraculous. Now, for us, being along for the show doesn't have to be the miraculous or the charismatic. Those times when we're interested in the events or spiritual feelings more than those behind those events. It can also be the traditional, what we might call high church show. Symbolism, drama, movement, dress, traditional service, whilst ignoring the one that those things point towards. Now, I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong in themselves. What's wrong with being fed? What's wrong with having earthly needs met? What's wrong with enjoying spiritual moments, either in charismatic worship or traditional evensong? But if we, like the crowd, lose sight of the one that gives these things and the one to whom these things point to, this is where we lose our way. And this is what Jesus is talking about. We see this in Jesus' use of the word signs. He states that they're not seeking him because they saw the signs that he performed. In John's Gospel, the author picks out certain miracles that Jesus does for inclusion as signs that they point towards something else. The miracle in and of itself is perhaps of lesser importance. So the crowd, whilst they saw the miracle, they ate the bread, they saw the extra being collected. They didn't understand what this meant. They didn't see the sign. They didn't see what it pointed to. And that's what Jesus is telling them here. As N.T. Wright puts it, summarizing the conversation, the sign of the feeding 
is meant to lead you to the true food. The food the Son of Man will give in verse 27, the food which is Jesus himself, verse 35. Jesus is using the sign of the food to tell them something about him. All at the time of Passover, the time when Israel remembered that exodus from Egypt where God rescued his people from slavery, led them out into the wilderness, provided for their needs through manna, the bread from heaven. And Jesus says, this same thing is happening now. But what God is sending is Jesus himself. He is the bread of life. He is the manna in the wilderness. Now, for us today, we can lose a bit of the impact of this whole picture. Writer and Anglican minister Sam Albury points out that bread just doesn't occupy the same place in life as it did then. He talks about going out for a meal with friends, you know, and the waiter comes up and said, well, do you want any bread for the table? And it's really, well, it's a take it or leave it thing, you know. Anyone fancy bread? Yes? No? Not bothered? At the time of Jesus, though, bread formed a large part of nearly every meal. It was an essential of life to the extent that if you didn't have bread or the ingredients to make it, then you starved. For those who have an interest in Roman history, what was one of the key priorities for any Roman emperor? It was to make sure that Rome always had bread, to keep the grain flowing from Egypt into the capital. If the bread stopped... The people rioted. For those listening to Jesus, bread was probably part of every single day, every single meal. A basic essential for life. And that's the context we need to put Jesus' words in verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is not an optional extra, something to have on the side, an enhancement to the rest of life. Jesus is an essential for life, for all our lives, something that needs to form part of every day. So for us here or watching online, we come back to those questions. What are we seeking? Why are we here? Is it because we need Jesus Stretching the metaphor, are we here seeking our daily meal of Jesus, our weekly meal where we come together for that? Is Jesus as much of a necessity in our daily lives as the food that we eat? Is, Jesus, is it Jesus who's the driver and focus of our gathering and our worship? Are we seeking to be filled again by his spirit to have our minds refreshed and renewed and refocused on him for the new week? And if Jesus is an essential for life, what about those who are not here with us? You know, sometimes we can see people who don't have faith in Jesus, and actually, they're doing fine. In many cases, they are, in earthly terms, doing better than us. And we're tempted to think, well, everything's okay. It'll all work out. Or we can feel it's wrong for us to push religion on them. But the implication of Jesus being the bread of life, the only food that will never leave us hungry or thirsty, well, the implication there is that they're starving. 
Everything else that we put our hope in for this life will leave us hungry in the end. Our career, our family, our popularity, our relationships, our wealth, our talents, our status, anything. None of those things can fully satisfy us. And therefore, we're surrounded by a starving generation, spiritually speaking. Only Jesus, the bread sent from heaven, the one to sent from God to be our Savior, only he never fails us. Only he will make our deepest longings to have an identity, to have worth, be loved, find a home and community. Only he will give us certain hope for the future in this life and through death. We're the people who know where there is the only bread which can fully satisfy their needs. As Jesus promised, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. How are we who are here bringing this message to those who are starving out there? Yes, along the way, we'll have to meet real, physical, earthly needs, but there's a spiritual hunger that also needs to be addressed. There's a hunger that afflicts all who are outside Jesus, one that we know the solution for. As I close and we turn to the communion table, we return to the context of this whole episode, that of the Jewish Passover feast we discussed. The feast that remembered God's rescue of his people from slavery. The sacrifice of a lamb that caused judgment to pass over the houses that had the lamb's blood smeared on the door. Remembered in a meal including wine, bread, and lamb. This is the second of three Passovers mentioned in John's Gospel. At the last of these, perhaps a year on from the events that we've been thinking about. Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room to share a meal with them. The gospel writers describe that this feast, there was bread and wine, but lamb is not mentioned. The place of the lamb is taken by Jesus himself, the one who the next day would be taken and murdered on a cross, bearing our sins so we who are slaves or were slaves to sin can be free through faith in Jesus Christ. The bread and the wine are transformed into a new act of remembrance that we participate in today. Amongst the many things we've had to change through the pandemic, it's not been good to be without both elements of communion, necessary though that has been. But perhaps this morning as we consider Jesus, the bread of life, that essential component that we all need, it's good that we can focus on the bread as we take that. Wherever we are today, whatever our reasons were when we walked in the door or clicked on the link, whatever the state of our lives, for good or bad, we can come back and recenter ourselves on Jesus Christ. As the old words for distribution of the bread say, take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. We are seeking him. We're here for him. He is the bread of life. 
Amen.